0: Let's pray together. Father God, how grateful we are for the light that you offer us in Christ, the light of the world. May he be our light today. May he enlighten our minds, our hearts, guide our souls, speak to us from your word in such a way that we're marked by your truth, and we leave with the encouragement that you intend for us to have. So, Father God, in your light do we see light. May that not just be the word of the scripture we study, may that be the testimony of our hearts today. And wherever we need that light, wherever we're feeling dark, wherever we need wisdom, wherever we need encouragement, wherever we need direction, wherever we need to feel your presence and your peace, give us that gift today. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. It is so great to see you. It is so great to be here and to be back in this place and to be able to worship with you in this place. It's a little warm inside. Thank you, Mike, for helping us to experience the beauty of nature inside a little bit as well. Uh, That's just the nature of living in Texas, right? And the thing's never going to go out on Monday. Have you ever had an air conditioner go out on Monday? Have you ever had that happen, right? You know, always the day before Worship. That's just how it works. But it's all right. And boy, it's just so great to be back in this space and to remember all this. For Janet and me, this is pretty nostalgic. It's been a, a while, I guess, two or three months since we've been able to be here. And so, as we drove out on Friday and walked the grounds on Saturday, we were kind of thinking about all that. It was actually 2009 when the Lord led us to leave the church we were pastoring to start a speaking and writing ministry. Uh, Craig Walker was a member of our church in Dallas, and he had built the harbor and the ranch, for those of you that maybe don't know the story. And so, he would built this chapel here. And by the next year, 2010, this was complete, so we asked if I'd just come out and speak. In chapel out here a couple times, and we did, and Jen and I just fell in love with the place, and so we bought a carriage house back over that way, and then eventually a villa back there, and Ken Whitten was the sales manager at the time. Ken uh, used to be with Young Life back in the day. He could play guitar. We had a guy running the horse center. We called him Cowboy Chad, Chad May, who could do that as well, so they were our worship leaders, and Jen and I were the speaker, and that's how we got started. Ken gave us our three rules, no membership, no offering, never start on time, Those are our rules. We still keep our rules to this day. And back then, 13 years ago, I mean, there'd be Sundays we'd have eight people, you know? I remember Sundays. We just kind of put our chairs in a circle here. Brian, you remember some of those? Back in the early days here, just a handful of us or so, uh, we uh, got together that summer. The next school year, we got together once a month just to see if this was the thing we wanted to do. And then by the next summer, there were more people out here, and it just kind of went from there. Those were sidewalks on the two sides over there. Claire and Michael paid to have the children's center put in back there. A few years ago, all that got enclosed because of the growth that was happening out here. A major, huge step forward came when Mike Carter, retired from Pier 1, where he'd been general counsel, took leave of his senses, he and Sheila, and agreed to come work in our ministry, and in doing that, to take over running the chapel. That was a massive step forward for us, for Sheila to be doing all the stuff she does and Mike do all this. Prior to that, Ken would send me the songs. I would type them into PowerPoints. I would load them on my laptop. I would climb the ladder up where Sheila is. I'd plug it in. I'd stand down here and push buttons. And that was technology for us. That's how it worked. And So massive step forward for them to run all of this as they are, for them to really be the infrastructure for this entire chapel ministry. Out of that, David Stalker and others creating the PKLM board, so there was a means by which to kind of provide an infrastructure for all that. And then, of course, Mike and Jennifer Patterson agreeing to buy the chapel and make it available to it, donate it to our use here, and then even our villa so that there can be a place for pastors to come out and stay and all of that. And so just so much over these 13 years that Janet and I have watched as all of this has transpired. But the thing that hasn't changed is the people and the love we have for you and the love you have for each other. And the sense that you get when you just walk in that room of the presence of God in this place, you know But as you think in those terms at least a Janet and I've been talking about it It's reiterated for me a metaphor that Elton Trueblood the Quaker uh, theologian and writer some years ago um, Made uh, very powerful in my life when he said you live life in chapters It's important to live life in chapters Think about that metaphor you have to write this chapter to write that chapter Once you finish this chapter, you need to write the next chapter. You can't write this chapter till you finish this chapter. And one of the keys to life is knowing what chapter you're in. And knowing when a chapter's ending and another chapter's beginning and knowing how best to write this chapter so you can write that chapter and live in the life that God gives you in the moment. Well, Psalm 36 is a passage I've never studied before this week. I happen to be reading it in my own personal Bible study. I found a phrase in it, in your light do we see light, that gripped me. And so I spent some time with it this week. I kind of unpacked it this week, and I want to walk through it with you very briefly. And I want to ask us to consider that metaphor. That's why Sheila picked the song she just did. That statement, it's Psalm 36, verse 9, in your light do we see light. And let me ask you, where do you need light today? Where do you need God's wisdom, direction, leadership for the chapter you're writing? Or maybe the chapter you're concluding. Where do you need more light? How can you experience that light is the question. So Psalm 36 verse 7 begins by explaining the God that we're here to trust. Telling us something about this God whose light we are to be trusting together. It begins, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. Hebrew is a fascinating language. It speaks in what's called word pools, meaning one word in Hebrew can mean a lot of words in English. And these are examples. When it says how precious, it's the exact same word you would use for a precious stone. It means how rare, how unusual, how unprecedented, how hard to find, how precious is, present tense, not was, not will be, right now. How precious is your steadfast love, O God? Circumstances can't change the character of God. No, nothing going on in the world changes who God is. How precious is your steadfast love? That's hesed in the the Hebrew. It corresponds to agape in the Greek, if you're familiar with that word, meaning God's unconditional love. How precious, how unique, how hard to find, how rare is right now your unconditional love from me, O God. There are a lot of different Hebrew words for God. This is the word Elohim, which means the God of majesty, the God of power. It's the word often used of God in creating. The word for the God who created the heavens and the earth is Elohim. So the God who created the whole universe, that holds it in the palm of his hand, nonetheless has a steadfast, unconditional, unchangeable love for you that you can find nowhere else in the world. That's what the phrase is saying. Augustine said God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. There is literally nothing you can do to make the God of the universe love you any more or any less than he did when he sent his son to die for you. He loves you that much right now. That's what the psalm wants you to know. Well, as a result, the psalmist says, "...the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings." The children of mankind is literally the children of Adam, Ben Adam in the Hebrew, the descendants of Adam. That's you. Right. We're all descendants of Adam. So this is every one of us, no matter where we are, or where we've been or where we think we're going, no matter what you think of God. I love that wonderful place in that. Uh, and oh, gosh, now I've dropped it. It's the Jim Caviezel movie. It's not Man La Mancha, it's where uh, he is imprisoned with a priest, and uh, I'll think of the title when we're all done here, but anyway, he's got this, this elderly priest who's in prison with him, and he's in prison there as well, and at one point, he's so angry at God for all these horrible things that are happening to him, and he tells the priest, I don't believe in God, to which the priest says, that's okay, he still believes in you. Count of Monte Cristo, that's why you're our deacon, Brian. Years ago, we decided we needed a deacon, so Brian's our deacon. I don't know what a deacon does, but whatever it is, that's what Brian does. He can have deacon meeting anytime he wants to. He can do that. So there you go. Count, Count of Monte Cristo. Exactly. Very good. And the guy says, "I don't believe in God." He says, "That's okay. God believes in you." You're the child, literally the offspring of Adam, the children of mankind. Because of God's unshakable love, take refuge. Run for refuge is the idea. Run to get inside the fortress in the shadow of your wings. God doesn't have wings, obviously. God is spirit. But the metaphor, to get inside the shadow of the wings of a bird, how close to the bird do you have to get? To get inside my shadow, how close to me would you have to be? Well, that's how close you can get to God. That's what you can choose to do today. You can make the God of the universe your refuge, and you can literally stand inside the shadow of his wings. That's what you can do. If you do that, here's what happens. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. They feast. The word means they fill up to overflowing. They eat until they can take, eat no more. They eat until they're stuffed, you might say. They eat until they absolutely can eat no more on the abundance, the overflowing abundance of your house, of your presence, another way to say it. You give them drink. The Hebrew says you irrigate them. Imagine a dry land that's irrigated constantly, 24-7 by a water source. God irrigates you. God gives you drink from the river of his delights, of his joy. That's what's available to you today. Here's the catch. You have to say this. With you, God, is the fountain of life, literally the source of life. In your light do we see light. God can only give what you'll take. God can only lead those that will follow. God's light is only available to those who trust the light. If you trust in your light and not his, nothing we just said will be your experience shadow of the wings can't help you if you don't get under the wings. The refuge can't be any good to you if you don't get inside the refuge. The irrigation, the river of delight, is only for those who will drink. Self-sufficiency is spiritual suicide. The daily decision you and I must make is to say what the psalmist said. In your light, it's emphatic in the Hebrew, in your light, do I see light. So how does that work? What does that mean? What does that look like? These simple suggestions, and we'll be done. First of all, stay in God's light every moment of every day. So here's how the Bible teaches that. You've heard of this verse, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, here's what they're talking about. Those are lamps in the biblical era, okay? They're made out of clay. They're very small. You can hold several of them in one hand. They fill up with oil, then you put a wick inside there. It's very hard to light, so once you get it lit, at night you put a basket over it so it can breathe, and yet you can shelter the light and go to sleep. And then when you need the light, you just take the basket off. That was Jesus' metaphor in Matthew 5 when he said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. You don't light it for the purpose of putting it under a basket, but on a lampstand, that's a shelf, and it gives light to everyone in the house. God's light is like a tiny oil lamp that only shows the next step on the journey. It's not a searchlight that shows you the destination. It's a flashlight that shows you the next step. That's what God's Word does in your life. It's a daily decision to trust every single day the leadership of the Spirit of God. So start the day by getting alone with God. Start the day in prayer and simply say, Lord, I'm asking your Holy Spirit to lead me through this day. Just pray that. Just say that. That simple thing to God. I'm taking the word of your truth. I'm taking the light of your spirit. I'm asking you to lead me today. By your light do I see light. Pick up that lamp. Imagine that lamp. Today's the only day there is, right? And live in that lamp today. Trust him for today. This is the prayer. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. That's the prayer. I remember pretty vividly, it was some time ago, we were having an event down here at the chapel one night, and after we were done, Janet and I were walking back to our villa down the way, and we had a flashlight we were using to make our way down there because it was pitch black. It was one of those nights where the moon wasn't out. I don't know if it was overcast or whatever, but it was pitch black. Now, neither of us are really from the country. I grew up in Houston. Jana grew up in Los Angeles. All you have to tell us is that snakes are in the county, and that's good enough for us. You know what I mean? And so we are walking down with a flashlight, and we are very grateful for the flashlight. But what I'm not doing is trying to shine the flashlight down to the end of the road to see the villa down there, because what I'm interested in is the snakes that might be right here, right? So I'm only doing this step by step, way by way until ultimately, step by step, we made our way snakeless all the way home. That's how it works. The trick is to stay in the light. Yesterday doesn't exist. Tomorrow doesn't exist. How much does yesterday weigh? What color's tomorrow? This is all there is. All of God there is is in this moment. Helen Malicote's famous poem, I think, is appropriate here. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly, my Lord was speaking. My name is, I am. That's from Exodus 3. Moses at the burning bush. My name is, I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not. I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not. I will be when you live in this moment, it is not hard. I am here. My name is. I am. So the decision every day is to get alone with the Lord, ask the Spirit to lead us, decide to live in that light, and then stay in that light. When you have a decision, you pray about it. When you have a challenge, you ask the Lord to lead you, you think about Scripture that would apply to this. You ask the Spirit to speak to you. Sometimes He opens and closes doors. Sometimes He works rationally, sometimes intuitively. You just sense in your spirit what you're supposed to do. But God wants you to know His will more than you do. It's not a crackerjack decoder ring that you got to figure out. He wants us to be in His will. He loves us that much. Don't you want your kids best? Didn't Mike Carter spend an eternity in those three seconds until that grandson popped up again? Your Father in heaven loves you even more than that. He wants your best. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. He has a plan to prosper you and not harm you and give you hope in the future. But self-sufficiency is spiritual suicide. So walk through the day asking for his light, choosing to live in the light, choosing to follow the light. And second, decide to give the light to somebody else in the dark. This is one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I hate that. But it's true. My friend John Stone Street is the president of Colson Center, a terrific cultural commentator. Some years ago, he made a statement that I quote quite often. I quote him often on this where he said, ideas have consequences. Bad ideas have victims. Bad, we're seeing it every day, right? You're seeing it in the news every day. Bad ideas have victims because the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Well, that was you before Christ. That was me before Christ. Now I owe it to others to pay forward the grace I've received. I owe it to others to share the light I've received, to walk in the light and to share the light. I hadn't planned to tell the story, but even this moment, I'm thinking back to my senior year of high school. I may have told the story at some place along the way. I was the president of the Christian Student Union at Sharpstown High School, and here's how that happened. We met in the upstairs balcony of the high school auditorium. The custodian was supposed to come open the door for us, and he was always forgetting or always being late. Half the time, we couldn't get in. One time, we're standing around up there waiting on the custodian to open the door to the upstairs balcony, the high school auditorium. We're just kind of fooling around, so I stuck my house key in the lock, and it worked. I kid you not. And for that, I became the president of the Christian Student (laughs) Union at Shrapstown High School. I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, it must be foreordained, right? Kind of a God thing. Your key opens the I had the keys, so they had to make me president, I guess. So I tell that to say this. So I came club day where all the presidents were up and they're pitching their clubs to the student body and trying to get people to come join their club, you know? So I'm doing that for the Christian Student Union. So I told this story I just heard our youth minister tell. So I just I just stole it and just told the story story is there's a guy who's in the Carlsbad Caverns. He's in this group, and they're touring around down there, and they're in the depths of the Carlsbad Caverns, down as low. As, I've been there. Maybe you've been there. And you sit down, and they turn off the flashlight, and it's pitch black. can't see your hand, right? So this group is down there, and they're touring around, and suddenly there's a horrible earthquake, and the one way out is blocked. There's a landslide. There's a terrible thing and, and rocks and stuff, and, and, and they're they're trapped, and they can't get out. Well, they start yelling for help, but no one can get there, and they start pounding on the walls, but no one can hear them, and they start digging at the rocks, but they can't get anywhere, and this one guy happens to notice way off in the distance, a tiny pinprick of light, and he makes his way there, and it's an opening, a way out. He goes back to tell the other people in the cavern, but most of them won't believe him. They say, well, there can't be anything like that. They, they, they won't believe him, so they keep pulling at the rocks or pounding on the walls or they give up. And only the people that believe him go with him to the light and they escape the cavern. Well, they're no better than anybody else. The light was there for everybody. They just chose to trust it. Well, that was the story I told as a senior in high school from my youth minister. To me, it's one of the most powerful explanations of the gospel. And I tell it here to say this. If you saw the light trapped in the cavern, wouldn't you tell everybody you could? Wouldn't you want to tell everybody you could? Last Thursday was the anniversary of the Centennial Park bombing in Atlanta, Georgia at the Olympics. Killed one person, a mother who'd brought her daughter to the Olympics, injured 100 others. Eventually, they caught Eric Rudolph, I think was his name sometime later, for having staged the bombing. The anniversary was last Thursday. The reason I tell you that is, we were living in Atlanta at that time, we were pastoring a church there, we had taken our two then small boys to the Olympics. We walked past that spot an hour before the bomb went off. We got home, turned on the TV, and it was everywhere. I say that to say the future is promised to no one. Right? We're all one day closer to eternity than we've ever been. So that's why it's urgent to share The light. While you have the light. And then one last thought. Trust what you cannot see to the God who sees you. On those times when it seems so dark, and you don't know where the light is, and you don't know what God is up to, and you don't know why he's allowed this, and you don't know what he's in the midst of, at those times when you can't see God, God still sees you. When you can't feel God, he still feels you back to my movie, when you don't believe in him, he still believes in you. When our boys were very young, Ryan and Craig, now they're 80 years old, but back when they were very young, they used to love to play hide and seek. And Craig especially, he was about three at this time, I think, or so, and he really couldn't understand that just because he couldn't see me didn't mean I couldn't see him. And so he would hide from me I remember this vividly, one of his favorite places was to dive under the tablecloth over the table in the dining room and stick his head under there. Now, the rest of his body be sticking up. <laughs> but his head would be under the tablecloth, and he was convinced he was hiding because he couldn't see me, so he assumed I couldn't see him. Don't make that mistake with God. Don't ever think that just because you can't see him, he can't see you. I love this statement from Charles Spurgeon. God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. So the invitation is to stay in his light every moment of every day, live in the season you're in, live in that chapter that you're writing. Give the light to those in the dark, and trust what you can't see to the God who sees you. How is all of that relevant to you today? Where is it in your life that you need to be able to say what the psalmist said? In your light do I see light. Well, today is the day to accept that invitation from the Lord. I'll close with an example of how powerful that can be. Last Sunday, Janet and I heard a medical missionary who was teaching a Bible study tell a story. He had been in Macau. He had been in, um, on the coastal area of uh, China near Hong Kong for, I think, 18 years. He had been stationed there as a medical missionary. During that time, he became familiar with a Chinese pastor who had been imprisoned by the communist atheistic government because he wouldn't stop preaching. Sent to a hard labor prison camp. One of the toughest prison camps in their whole terrible system. Because this pastor was so slight of build and was so emaciated from all the persecution he'd been through, he couldn't do the hard labor that the prisoners at the camp were supposed to do. Couldn't move the rocks around, couldn't do the stuff that they were required to do. But along the way, he had learned to cut hair, so they made him the camp barber. And for the next 20 years, that imprisoned pastor, told by the government he couldn't preach anymore, shared the gospel repeatedly with every person in the prison camp as he cut their hair. God redeems all he allows. He will redeem the chapter you're writing if you'll give him the pen. So let's pray about that. No coincidence we're having this conversation today. What is it the Lord is inviting you to trust him to do in your life? Is it leadership you need? Is it forgiveness? Is it direction? Is it courage? Patience? Where is it you need God's light? Well, say to him right now, in your light do I see light. Ask him to help you be more in his light than you've ever been. Ask him to help you share his light and trust his light. Would you do that right now? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Be the light of our world. We pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.